0: Everybody say change change is essential to anything that's going to grow. Your marriage, if it is going to grow, has to experience change. Can I get a witness? If you just stay the same and just stay the same for the next 25 or 30 years, you'll be a miserable couple just staying in the house together. Growth requires change. Even when it comes to uh, finances. If our financial situation, financial house is going to be better off, it's going to require us to do some things differently in our individual lives. Right. If you find yourself strapped with debt, if you're going to get out of that predicament, some things have to change. Spending habits have to change. Is that correct? Because one of the ways we get in over our head in debt is because we we decide that we want something, but we won't believe God for. So so since we think God is coming too slow, we decide we're going to get it ourselves. And so we go out and charge it up and find ourselves in a predicament. OK, so change has to take place if our financial house is going to be in order. If you keep doing things the same way that you've always done them, you are gonna get the same results. So if you're struggling in finance, you're struggling in your marriage, struggling in your career, look at how you are doing life in those areas and decide what is it that I need to change in this particular aspect of my life. Okay. so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the saints at Philippi. And we'll start here in this in this first verse. Let's read together. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters from the New Living Translation, rejoice in the Lord. Paul said, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Guys, I never get tired of telling you and preaching you all of the word of God, because I know sometimes I may sound like a broken record to you, don't I? So, some of y'all have heard me say some of the same stuff over and over again. But you know when I'm going to stop saying it? I'm going to stop saying it when 100% of us are doing what that word says. All right? I, I heard one guy say it one time before, and I oftentimes he says constant review is the student's glue. In other words, constantly reviewing what God's word says, amen, allows his principles to stick in our lives, okay? So he says watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Again, remember there were those Judaizers who were trying to tell those who are Born again in Christ Jesus, that not only must it be Jesus, but you got to also be circumcised like we were under the old covenant. So that's that was not accurate. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Listen to that. We put no confidence in human effort. Our salvation is not based on how good we are. Because if the truth be told, guys, none of us are good enough. Right. When you measure yourself up against a holy God who is sinless, we're going to always find ourselves lacking. Right. All right. So though I could have I have though, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Now, Paul here, he he says this. He says, if if, if anybody's going to brag about the flesh and what, what we do on this earth, I have a right to brag. Though I, could have, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He, he tells you why. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse eight says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ is my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Paul said, All this stuff, all these religious accolades that I accumulated when I was walking under Judaism before I got saved, before the road to Damascus experience occurred, I was walking under uh, Judaism and I was doing these things, persecuting the church, had all these credentials. But he said, I count all that stuff as, as loss, I count it as mess, I, I, I count it as refuge or garbage for the cause of Christ. Listen, to he says, yes, everything else "and, and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Let's read again. God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? I thought it depended on how many times you come to church. I thought God's way of making us right was depending on how much money you give to the church. I thought God's way of making us right, it depends on how much good we do in the community. Guys, all those things we should do, and they are part of our faith walk, but that's not what makes us right before God. What makes us right before God is accepting his sacrifice that he gave for us in order to bring us into a personal relationship with him. Okay, so verse 10 is where we're going. Let's look at it right quick. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, I want to suffer with him sharing in his faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. What we shared with you on last week was that Paul is saying this after having been saved for a period of time, that he wants to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead that power that raised Christ from the dead is available for you and I to walk in so that we can experience change in our life today amen how many of y'all have had things that you tried to overcome but uh, it seemed like you had a, a tough time overcoming it I mean maybe it's a habit maybe it's something that you do on a regular basis you say I man I really need to stop doing that but it, it looks like I keep tripping my own self up anybody ever been before amen. anybody ever decided that you want to eat differently for health reasons, in other words, in other words, you said I need to eat more healthy. How many of y'all went to the doctor, and the doctors ever told you you need to lose weight? Anybody? I, I, I have, I have. Okay, okay. So, so, oh, wait a minute. I, now, now, are, we, are we the only ones that I, I had about six people who admitted that they've been to the doctor before, and the doctor says, okay, you look pretty good, but you know what? You, you you need to lose about twenty-five or thirty pounds. Stop eating you know you know foods that are high in fat content and all that. It, it, have, anybody been told that before? Okay. Now, now, when, when you're told that, you, you know intuitively that what he's telling you is good for you, right? You know that if you actually followed what he told you, you would actually begin to see change in your waistline. And seeing change in your waistline would make you feel good about yourself, wouldn't it? And everybody wants to feel good about themselves, Right? But why is it so tough to change our eating habits? Hello? Why is it so tough to change our spiritual habits? Right? I believe it's tough because many times we don't rely on resurrection power. We don't rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us and empower us to do these things. And so we try to do it on our own. And God says change takes place when you learn how to submit your will to the will of the father and when you learn how to rest in the resurrection power okay so we said the bible I shared with you last week the bible describes resurrection power as the power to cancel our past conquer our problems and change our personality so let's get into what we uh, what we left off on last week and uh, you should have an outline for tonight i kind of put the tail end of last week's lesson on this We talked about choices that bring change. Everybody say choices that bring change. We said uh, that that number one, we must choose our thoughts. Okay? Choose our what what are you thinking about? What do you allow to infiltrate your mind? Go to Romans the 12th chapter, and let's look at verses 1 and 2 right quick. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. From the New Living Translation. Can we read together? Y'all know this is very familiar. Let's read together. It says what? And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The way we worship God is to give our bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice. Look at verse number two which is what I want to get to this. Every time I look at this, guys, it jumps off the page at me. This scripture never gets old. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Can we read that out loud on purpose together? It says what? Don't copy the behavior and And customs of this world, Paul is writing, he's writing to the church and the saints at Rome and he's telling them, he's he's, he's exhorting them, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Don't live life the way the world lives life. When I say the world, I'm talking about those who trust in the world system. I am talking about those who don't have a walk of faith. I am talking about people who trust and believe in their intellect and they they trust and believe in their money to live this life. God says, don't don't live life that way. Says, but let God transform you. The word transform means what? To change. God is all about changing us. Into the express image of his dear son. He says, but let God He says, but let God. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing, and perfect. Okay. So God, He says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you do what think. Okay. So we got to we got you know as it relates to that we got to choose our thoughts, guys. Um, when 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 as a born again believer, you know when we uh we, we we repent of our sins and we ask Christ to come into our heart and save us, um, we we make that decision for Christ. But pre- uh, repentance oftentimes is misunderstood, it's, it's a misunderstood term, we told you. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, and it means to change your mind or your perspective. Everybody say metanoia. Metanoia means to change your mind or perspective, okay? To change your mind or your perspective. That's what God is trying to do. God is trying to change our mind and to change our perspective. Whether we are admitted or not, all of us have ways of thinking that have been cultivated and developed based on our upbringing. That's been based on our experiences, our life experiences, and we think a certain way. Because uh oftentimes our family thought a certain way, or the the neighborhood or the area that we grew up in thought a certain way. So that still it it can impact us even 30, 40, 50 years down the line. Can I get a witness? So, so so if, if 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 we look back again, when we talked about repentance, we talked talking about uh Ch- uh, changing our mind or changing our perspective because okay, the, the Greek word uh, metanoah the Bible teaches that the way we think determines the way we feel and the way we feel determines the way we act so if you want to change your actions you have to go back to the source and change the way you think are y'all with me today okay you got to go back to the source and change the way you think so we got, we got to begin to, to think differently John, let, go to John 8 and 32 right quick and we're going to keep moving John 8 and 32, look at that real quickly. Change, change, our thoughts, our thoughts. And you will know the truth and the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you base your life on truth, when you live with the right kind of thoughts, not misconceptions of false beliefs, and you base your life on the right thoughts out of God's word, you will be made free. You will be set free. It's what the text says here, okay? You will notice that your old habits, your feelings and your actions are falling away the longer you begin and the more often you begin to live your life according to God's word, okay? God gives us his word, but we got to use it. Ever say use it? We have to meditate on it, amen? Again, I, I shared with you several years ago what it means uh, to, to, to meditate. If you look up the word meditation in the dictionary, you'll find that, that 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 a synonym is the word rumination. Everybody say rumination. Rumination is what a cow does when, when she chews her cud. Y'all never heard the term cow chewing the cud? You ever saw a cow in the field? That grass doing that, right? Uh, that's what a cow does. Rumination is what a cow does when she chews her cud. A cow eats some grass, chews up all that that that, that, they, that that she can and she swallows it, and it sits in one of her stomachs for a while, and then a little later she burps it up, and the cow chews on it some more and swallows it again. Jerry, am I right about that? Okay, that's 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 rumination. Okay, the cow is straining every ounce of nourishment out of that grass. Okay, meditation is 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 simply thought digestion. When's the last time you just sat around and fought about what was preached about on Sunday? When's the last time you just sat around and thought about what was taught in Sunday school or in men's ministry or women's ministry or young adult ministry? When's the last time you gave sincere thought or meditation to the truths or the principles that are being preached to you? I will tell you that the average Christian goes home, they come to church, they go home, and they never really reflect on what was taught on Sunday. Every now and then, you know, uh, if there's something that you think think hits your wife or hits your husband, you you go home and you you take the CD to him. Listen to that. And that's not what we should do when we come to church. Because when we come to church, we shouldn't be coming to see what pastors are going to say about you. We need to come to church not even thinking what pastors are going to say, but what is God going to say through my pastoral leadership that's going to affect change in my life? And so many times... We fail to ruminate. We fail to meditate. And so as a result, we end up not having that thought digestion, which is able to help transform our thinking, which is able to help tra- transform our action. Meditation is thinking seriously about what you are reading or what you are, uh, uh, ha- has been preached to you. Go to Colossians 3 and 16 right quick. So when we look at this thing, we said that... Uh, uh, Choices that bring changes. In other words, we must choose our thoughts. What are you meditating on? What are you? What are you? What are you constantly um, thinking about? You know, this is football season. We're in the middle uh, of the football season, and a lot of us think about sports and our favorite teams. How many of y'all watch that LSU Alabama game on Saturday? Uh, I think uh, a good bit of the country, with a lot of folks, sports fans, watching that game. Very good game. Uh, and and I again, I play collegiate football, and I I, I like football, and I watch it. Uh, and 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 but you have to be careful, even with sports, to the point to where it doesn't become so vital in your life that you'll leave God on the on the shelf in order to fulfill that sports fix. There are some folks who who will will allow a football game, or football team, to take precedent over their Uh, Over their their, their walk with their Lord, and you don't want to ever get to that point, okay? Watch what the text says says Colossians 3 and 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Look at what he says Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? Thankful hearts let the message about Christ and all this richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives that Christ gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. You know, it's good to, uh, I think take time to, uh, you know, especially if you're in a situation where you uh, may be going through something. I think that praise and worship music, uh, allows our minds to get focused in the right direction. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not opposed to listening to good, clean, uh, secular music. I'm, I'm, that don't mean, you you know, back in the old days, folks thought you were going to hell if you listened to anything that wasn't gospel. But I don't think that's the case. I think that we can listen to good, clean music. But your, your channel or your radio, I, don't even, I hate to say even channel because I'm so in my age there because a lot of times I, people don't even necessarily listen to AM, FM radio anymore. You got How many of y'all got satellite radio in your vehicle? Okay. All right, you got satellite radio? All right. Um uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you got you got a multiplicity of channels that you can choose from, it, from blues to hard rock to gospel to on down the line. But I, I think that uh, whenever we are trying to get our mind fixated on the things of God, we need to make sure that we have uh, some music that we can put in that that focuses our attention on the one above and not on the one in the earth. Okay. In other words, God, God's God's word it, as its song, He says. Uh, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? Thankful hearts. And it doesn't like driving down the road, you know, praising God. You know, you know, when you're in your car, that's, that, to me, that's a, that's a great time, especially when you have to, how many of y'all have a, a commute to work that's over 15 or 20 minutes or so, or 30 minutes? Okay. Sometimes when are on your way to work, that's the perfect drive time. It's a perfect time to get your mind right. Because some of us work in places where our minds gotta be right before we get there. Because we get there and our mind is not right, we're, gonna, we're not going to be right. Because you're dealing with some folks. How many of y'all work with some crazy people? How many of y'all are the crazy people that work? <laughs> so, so you got to get your mind right. So, 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 so those spiritual songs and hymns get our minds focused in on Him, okay? So, so again, when we look at this thing, we, we must choose our thoughts. We must depend on His Spirit, we told you last week, and we must respond wisely to circumstances okay we must respond wisely to circumstances I I, I like you know when we talk about responding wisely to circumstances I I, I oftentimes think about Joseph over in Genesis the 39th chapter when we see where his brothers sold him into slavery and we saw how uh, through all of that stuff through all that turmoil uh, you never see Joseph But the Bible doesn't record it where he you know, blame God for a situation. As a matter of fact, look, look at what Genesis 50 and 20 said. And y'all that know the story, we don't have time to go to tonight. But, he, you know, he was sold into slavery. He was in Potiphar's house. And you guys know that everything that he did in Potiphar's house, God blessed it. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph even as he was in indentured servitude. His brothers being jealous of him because he was his father's favorite son. A man faked his death and sold him into slavery. Guys, that, it, it's, that's, now, that would be a, 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 a cause or for somebody to go into a state of depression when your own brothers sell you out. When you have family members that turn against you, man, that could be some hurtful stuff, right? Y'all grew up together, slept in the same bed, right? Some of y'all bathed in the same bath water. <laughs> but you, you, you grew up together, and then now your brothers sell you into slavery. Man, that would mess with your mind. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, and whatever Joseph did in Potiphar's house, God blessed it, and he prospered Potiphar's house because Joseph was there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Potiphar took notice of that, and he says, you know what, Joseph? I'm going to put you over everything in my house. Everything I have, hey, you're responsible for it. Take it. Run with it. Because I I know that if I've noticed that since you've been here, my prophets are up. Since you've been here, uh, I've had more revenue coming in. So he put him in charge until then one day, y'all know, his wife came and tried to seduce him, right? When he refused to sleep with her, she lied on him and said he tried to rape her. She told her husband that. He was thrown in jail. When he was in jail, the Lord was with him. And pretty soon, Joseph was running to jail. And then when he was forgotten about, then... All of a sudden, the the guy remembered and he told uh, Pharaoh about him. And then so he interpreted the dream. And now uh, we get to this fifth chapter. He's in charge, second in charge of all of Egypt and his brothers who sold him into slavery had to come to Egypt to get food from the brother that they sold out. Now, some of y'all would have took took it as your chance to get even, but not Joseph. Because the Lord was what? With him. Look at what the text says here in Genesis, the 50 chapter. And this is where we get to, because his brothers are now trembling and, 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 they, and they're afraid once Joseph reveals himself uh, that, that who he is. Because, you know, he was there for a period of time. So he, his facial features had changed. And initially, they didn't know who he was. But when they discovered who he was, they thought, man, this dude here is second in charge of all Egypt. He's going to hang us, he's going to kill us. But notice what Joseph said You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. See, sometimes your enemy is trying to take you out, but God will use that enemy's uh, bad motives and use it to work on us, to work on you, right? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people, okay? So Joseph here responded wisely to his circumstances, okay? So let's get down to... So when we look at this, we said uh, we, we must choose our thoughts. We must uh, depend on his spirit. We must respond wisely to circumstances if we're going to get to the point to where we can uh, be that agent, uh, that change agent that God wants in our life. OK, now um, let's go to this next day and talk about peace. OK, because, you know, if, if we're going to uh, experience change, one of the things that we got to get to the point is, is to be at peace with ourselves. I it with you on, on Sundays as we've been going through this series about preparing for greater is that one of the things we got to do is learn to know ourselves and to be honest, have self-awareness to know who we are, understand our strengths and our weaknesses. And, and when we understand that and we're honest with ourselves, we're better positioned for God to be able to use us and to affect change in our lives. OK, so the Bible talks about three kinds of peace. OK, three kinds of peace. First one is spiritual peace. Let's go to Romans, the fifth chapter. Spiritual peace is peace with God. Okay, because I'm going to change. I got I got to have confidence that 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 what God is trying. I got to trust that what God is trying to do in me is for my good. Right. Every last one of us in here have areas in our lives that God is trying to. Perfect, or to grow us up in, or to get us to change. All right, but if I if I'm not at peace, uh, well, first of all, with myself, but then particularly with, at peace with God, then I'm not gonna. I, if I don't have spiritual peace, then I, I you know, everything that I'm doing, uh, church wise, doesn't mean a thing. Because if I'm not at peace with God, then I'm, that means I'm at enmity with God. And I don't want to be on the wrong side of the track when it comes to God. I, don't, I want to be on God's side. How many, how many want to be on God's side? I don't want to be on the other side. Okay. The text says, is watch what Romans 5 and 1 says. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? We have peace with God because of what? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The KJV reads this way, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that I have been justified, how shall I? By faith. And because I've been been justified by faith, how do I get that? When I receive God's perfecting work that was done by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, I trust in his death, burial, and resurrection as the way to get in right standing with God. If I trust that and I believe that I accept it in my heart, then now I am at peace with God. I'm no longer on the opposite side from God. I've been justified by faith. So now I have peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. That is foundational, man. We have to have peace with God before we can have any other kind of peace. And there's only one way to obtain it, and that is through Jesus Christ, Okay. Uh, we we see that when we look at John 14 and 6. So there are three kinds of peace. There's spiritual peace and there's emotional peace. Once we have peace with God, then we we can have the peace of God, which is emotional peace, okay? That is what most of us think about when we think about the word peace, an internal sense of well-being and order, okay? Go to Colossians 3 and 15 with it right quick. Three kinds of peace here. Emotional peace. Colossians 3.15. Let's read. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to watch us now, to live what? In peace. And always be what? Thankful. Now, we're coming up on the Thanksgiving season, and, and, and I know many people are thankful around Thanksgiving, but... Every day should be a day of thanksgiving for us. Right. All right. Every day should be a day of thanksgiving for us. But he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ. In other words, I first of all have to be have spiritual peace, which means that I've accepted Christ as my personal savior. I'm no longer at odds with God. I have spiritual peace. So but when I have spiritual peace, that means I have Christ in my heart. And in the text says here, the peace that comes from Christ, let it rule in your heart. So if I got Christ, there's a peace that comes, Jerry, by virtue of me having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I got to let that peace rule in my heart. When he says let it, that means there's an opportunity for me. For Let it means that I have a part to play in that. I have to position myself to where I allow Christ's peace Amen to reign in my heart. Okay, the Greek word translated "rule" uh, in, 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 in the Greek word that's translated "rule" in, in this text here is used only this one time in the Bible. It means to umpire, an umpire. You know, uh, when, if you're watching a baseball game and uh, somebody come into home and they slide. And it's a close call. When the umpire says "safe," that means that runner is at peace now because he knows, understand that uh, that he's not out at the plate. He's safe. Okay. And so that umpire of peace comes in and says, "This is safe. You can move in that direction." When the umpire of peace comes in and say, "Okay, I'm releasing you. You can have peace about going in that direction. You can have peace about taking that job. You can have peace about uh, uh, sowing that seed. Whatever it is that you're dealing with." You want that peace to come, amen, that, that comes from Christ, that gives you confident assurance that I'm walking in the right direction, okay? This verse says we should let the peace of God be the umpire in our lives, okay? Uh, the umpire, what does he do in a, in a ball game? He keeps peace, right? Can you imagine uh, playing a game, An umpire, referee, they keep peace, right? Can you imagine um, playing a game with no referees? How many of y'all ever play pickup basketball? And you call your own fouls. <laughs> Have you ever did that? Have you, y'all know, pick basketball basketball. You got to you play, and everybody calls their own fouls. And man, you, you haven't seen so much arguing that takes place. Brother Rod, are you up there? Brother Rod, tell Brother Rod I talked about him. Brother Rod, when it comes to pickup games, Brother Rod is one of the worst one in the world. When it comes to just tell him I told, told you about that. He's gotten better though. He's gotten better, right? Because he got old, he can't play anymore. Okay, he's gotten better. But when you're playing pickup games and there is no referee, I mean, games can go on 20 minutes longer because people are arguing about, that wasn't no foul. Man, you did hit me on my arm. No, I didn't. People can mug you and pretend like they didn't foul you. So you got to have a referee or umpire to come in to keep peace in that athletic contest. Otherwise, you're asking for a lot of trouble, okay? God wants to give each one of us an internal umpire who will keep us at peace even when everything around us may seem chaotic, okay? So that emotional peace that comes from Christ, it settles us. It keeps us at, at bay, okay? The third type of peace is relational peace. This is peace with other people, okay? So we said spiritual peace, which is peace with God. I only get that when I'm saying when, when I invite Christ to come to my heart to save me. That's when I have spiritual peace. Emotional peace is that peace uh, uh, the, the, it's the peace of God that, that that comes into our life by virtue of having Christ Jesus there. It can, it can tell us when something is safe or when it's not safe. Okay. Then we have relational peace. Go to Romans 12 twelfth chapter, verse number eighteen. Relational peace reduces conflict. Okay, it reduces conflict. And all of us know we talk about this on Sunday morning. All of us know that relationships can be a source of stress. Right? People can be something else. Am I right about it? Family members can be something else. Coworkers can be something else. Church members can be something else, right? The relationship building process is critically important for us to learn and get a handle on because God wants to use us to reach people and we can't reach people if we're no good at relationship building. So relational peace is something that needs to operate in our lives, okay? Because God's trying to use us. Romans, the 12th chapter. Let's let's back up a few verses right quick, and we'll we'll, we'll make our way down uh, to that 18th verse. If you will, Brother Jay, uh, go back to verse number nine with me right quick. Let's go to verse number nine. Don't just pretend to love others. This is Paul talking to the saints at Rome, church of Rome says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. He's talking to the church guys. All right. Next verse read. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. He's telling you how to serve. Serve enthusiastically. You know I'm sure that all of us had those times when we were not very enthusiastic not giving our services to the Lord. But he says, serve serve the Lord enthusiastically, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. The word enthusiastically is what what type of language? That's that's an adverb, right? L-Y on the end, The adverb tells you how to do the verb. What's the verb here? Serve. So it's telling you how to serve. How should you serve? So don't come up in this church Sermon, you're a usher. That's not enthusiastic. You're singing in the choir. We come this far by faith. Did you really? Leaning on. No, that, that should be some joy. The choir to be, we come this far by faith. <laughs> Leaning on the Lord, trusting in His Holy Word. He's never failed me yet. Oh, 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 oh. Can't turn around. We come this far. you remember that song? We come this far by faith. You got to be enthusiastic, right? If you're going to sing, come on. Why are you up in the choir and looking mean? Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Enthusiastically. Whatever you do for people in the Lord's work, do it enthusiastically. Next verse, let's go. It says what? Rejoice, in our conf- rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. He's talking to the church. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Look at that. Always be eager to practice what? What does hospitality mean? Somebody talk to me. What's hospitality? What is, what, is he, what is he referring to? How do you show Hospitality. You welcome people, whether you know them or not. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to uh, to make your home available when the Holy Spirit puts in your spirit that you need to help somebody. <clears throat> let, me, let me go back again. Can you read that again? <laughs> Always. Be eager. Some of y'all, some of y'all got to, some of y'all got to work on this, okay? Because you're, you're, you're like, yeah, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll practice hospitality with the people who I know. you always invite them over. How about somebody that you don't invite over? <laughs> somebody say, Lord have mercy. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14, let's go. Bless those who persecute you. Wow. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Everybody say, help me, Jesus. All right. Next verse, let's go. Uh, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Uh, Live in harmony with each other. He's talking to the church guys. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. That's what he says, right? Look, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Do not think that because you are this or you make this amount of money, and you live in this neighborhood, that you can't enjoy the company of what he, he considered ordinary people. Well, that, was a, that was a tendency back during, particularly during the early church, where it was thought that uh, if if you had certain means, that you were walking in the Lord's blessing. Okay, and that maybe in there, there was a tendency of people doing, especially in the early church. And it happens even today where people begin to think that they're they're a little bit better than somebody else because they have more money than they do. So you can't don't ever get into that into that mindset. Okay, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company, of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Six, 17, 18. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Guys, we have got to be honorable. I, I told you on Sud- it was a Sunday, uh, maybe a Sunday last week. You know, it, it, it's I, I've been I don't know. There's something in my spirit, is, and, and when the Lord releases me, I'm gonna write a, a editorial uh, uh, column in the paper because I am I, so disturbed at, at at the behavior and the uh, the 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 evil mindset of, of, of a lot of believers or Christians as it relates to this political climate that we live in. I, I, I'm disturbed about that because, and, I, and listen, I'm not going to talk to the folks who ain't saved because God, you remember Paul said, our job is not to try to correct those who are unsaved or out there in the political world. Our job is to speak to the church. I want to talk to the church. I want to talk to believers who have lost their minds who won't call out sin, who are afraid to say that is wrong to cuss people out. I'm reminded of John the Baptist. Do do y'all know why John the Baptist was beheaded? Because he spoke truth to power. He called out Herod because Herod was sleeping with his brother's wife. Y'all remember that? He called out the sin and the woman who was sleeping with the king, her daughter danced before the king and she danced so seductively before the king that the king told her daughter, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Then the mama who'd been busted by John the Baptist because she was sleeping with her brother's, her, she, she sleeping with her husband's brother, she told her daughter, go tell the king that you want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And she told the king that, and the king beheaded John the Baptist because he spoke truth to power. He called out sin when he saw it. I don't care who it is. I'm your pastor, but if you see sin in my life, you call it out. Because we're brothers in Christ, okay? We we, we are our brother's keeper. We need to call it out. If, if, If I see you going into the ditch, and I watch you go into the ditch and don't say anything, woe is me. Because God's going to hold me responsible for not opening my mouth and saying, hey, listen, do you realize you're getting ready to fall into the ditch? We have a responsibility, okay? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Become honorable. And as believers and Christians, we got to become more honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with what? With everyone. Do all you can KW says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Don't be known as a person can't nobody get along with. Okay, now watch this. Let's go to the last part, okay? Um, When we look at this thing here, uh, five keys to perfect peace. Okay, first thing is obey God's principles. Obey God's principles. Go to Psalms 119, 165 right quick. Psalms 119, uh, 165. Obey God. if we're going to have perfect peace, we've got to, first of all, obey God's principles. Psalms 119, 165. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. The psalmist is talking about God. He says, as he writes this psalm, he says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Skip down to 167 right quick. I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. God says that peace comes when we live in harmony with him, when we do what he tells us to do. Guys, you know, one of the things that, that helps us in this is when we uh, learn to follow the manual. When we buy a new car, all of us know that there's an owner's manual in the glove compartment, right? And this manual tells us that if we do certain things at certain times, at certain intervals, we will get more mileage or more production out of that vehicle that we brought, Right? Most people don't even read the manual on this manual, right? I'll be honest with you. There's stuff that, I, that my vehicle can do right now. I have no clue about what it's doing. The other day I was driving down and all of a sudden I hit a button and then automatically my, my high beam lights will come on if, the, if there's not a car coming my way. But if a car is coming my way, it'll automatically go off. And it started doing it automatically. I still don't know why it's doing it. It's doing it automatically, but I didn't read the owner's manual, or so I don't know. I don't know how to it stopped doing it, so I must hit the button again to stop it. I don't know what I did, so I got to read the, the manual. Am I the only one that's done that before? So what? What, what it means is, is that 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 the the utilization of that vehicle and, and all the things, the bells and whistles that these new cars come with, and all the stuff. I, I, have, I have not even tapped into 25% of the capability of that vehicle because I hadn't read the owner's manual. Now I'm going to go home and look it up and find out because I like that feature. <laughs> Instead of me having to do it manually, it just does it automatically. I don't know what I hit Lord to get it there, but I hit something to t- make it stop so I got to find out how to do it again. I know it's in the manual. And How many of us do God that way? The owner's manual, just like that car that car manual, God's word is our owner's manual for life. It contains principles for health, finance, marriage, other relationships, business, et cetera. Just like, just like a car runs more smoothly when we operate it according to its design, our lives will run more smoothly if we live it according to God's design as presented in his word, okay? So obey God's principles if you want to have peace. It's peaceful when you can drive that car and it don't stop on your side of the road. How many of y'all ever had a hoopty before? Well, you didn't know if you were going to make it to your destination. Now, anybody ever drove a hoopty? Do y'all know what a hoopty is? It's an old car that you just got. Didn't cost you a whole lot of money. It may have been smoking and whatever, but you, it was all you could afford. And you just prayed that when you got got up in the morning that it would start. Some of y'all don't know. know some of y'all had never experienced that, but 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 there's peace when you when you know that it's op, you operating according to the owner's manual. Okay, if you want to be at peace, obey God's principle. Number two, accept God's pardon. Go to First John one and nine, real quick. Accept God's pardon. Guilt is the number one destroyer of peace for most people. The only way to have peace of mind. Is to have a clear conscience, and only God can give us that. 1 John one and nine. But if we confess our sin, if we if we, if we, if we, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Accept God's pardon. You can look at Micah seven eighteen. We get home. We don't have time to get tonight. But, but. When you are, when you're walking around in guilt because of maybe some things that you have done, or bad choice or decision that you made, it, it, it'll it rob you of your peace. But you gotta know that even if you messed up royally, listen, God will forgive you. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away our sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when I know that, that even when I messed up, uh, that God will, will, will wipe the slate clean when I, re- when I ask him to forgive me and I repent of that sin. Repent means to turn away from it. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, okay? All right, so number three, focus on God's presence. Go to Isaiah 20, 63, okay? Five keys to perfect peace. Number one, we got to obey God's principle, accept God's pardon, focus on God's presence. See, we have a choice of focusing on our problems or focusing on God. Who holds the solution to my problem? I'm going to choose to focus on God. Who holds the solution to my problem? Okay. It says you will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you. All those who are fixed on you. Go to re, put that up in the King James version right quick. Okay. In the KJV. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he what? trusted in thee." OK, so um, go to Psalms 46, verse number one with me right quick. Psalms 46, verse number one. This, this psalm here reminds us that God is our refuge. He's our strength, no matter how overwhelming the odds seem. And he's the ever-present help in time of trouble, which all agree. For the, uh, it says, a song of the descendants of Korah to be sung by God, by, by the soprano voice. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Go to verse number 10, the very same chapter. Verse 10, glory to God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Now, guys, you know, we've heard this psalm before. But these verses have an interesting background. This psalm was not written by David. As as a matter of fact, this psalm was written during the time of Hezekiah, many years after David had had lived, lived and died. The nation of Israel was under attack from the king of Assyria and enemy soldiers had surrounded Jerusalem and the Israelites were they were in an uproar. They were scared because they were surrounded by the enemy. They knew that they were going to get crushed. So they prayed this prayer in Psalms 46 and guys five minutes before noon God smote the Assyrians with the plague and 185,000 of them died on the spot and Jerusalem was saved. and Everyone was happy. This it, 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 this psalm is, 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 the, is the Israelites' prayer to God in the face of the enemy, y'all. This psalm reminds us that God is our refuge. He is our strength no matter how overwhelming the odds seem. He's an ever-present help. This psalm tells us two things about getting God's help in time of trouble. First, be still when we're in trouble. Some of us keep running to the wrong people and the wrong sources. Be still. Amen. The Hebrew word here means to ease up, to let go. Amen. To ease up and to let go. So be still. And the second thing, know that he is God. Everybody say know that he's God. Uh, I, I, you know, when, when I know that he's God, it, it settles me, it calms me. Kind of like, you know, uh, in a hurricane, they have the eye of the hurricane. And you can get into into the eye of the hurricane, it's it's peaceful, okay? But the storm is swirling all around, but in the eye, in the center, there's peace. And that's kind of the way God is for us. Things can be swarming all around us, but if we settle ourselves in Christ Jesus, if we settle ourselves in God, we can have peace in the midst of our storms. We can be at peace, okay? So the fourth thing, trust God's purpose. We said, number one, what we say? Number one, we got to obey God's principle. Number two, we got to accept God's pardon. Number three, focus on God's presence and not on what's happening around us. Focus on his presence. Because he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And we got to trust God's purpose. Go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Very familiar passage of Scripture. There are four verbs in these verses. Trust, lean not, acknowledge, and direct. Watch what he says here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Verse number six, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Okay? The writer of Proverbs urges us to trust God and not depend on our own understanding. Then he reminds us to acknowledge God. In other words, to recognize and accept that God is sovereign and control of the universe, including the part of the universe that you and I occupy. Trust in the Lord, okay, in all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But you got to acknowledge him. If you don't acknowledge God, then don't expect him to come and direct your path. Acknowledge him. When we trust the Lord, he directs our paths and makes them straight and not stressful. The Apostle Paul learned that lesson because uh, go to Philippians four with me right quick four verse 12 and 13. We read that and we look at this last point. We get you out of here. So trust God's purpose. God has a purpose, a ordained purpose for your life. Trust that. Okay, Philippians four, twelve and thirteen. Philippians four, twelve and thirteen. It says, "I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything." Okay, that's what Paul says, right? Any of y'all have to live on a little bit of nothing? How many of y'all? How many of y'all grew up and say you? You, you can say, it, "Well, you know, right Pastor, when I grew up, it was hard on us, but we made it." How many of y'all were poor but didn't know you were poor? <laughs> in, other words, in other words, mom and dad, amen, raised you up and, and you didn't even realize it until you start looking at data. So, you know what, if I look at this data of the sister track, man, we were, we were some poor people. But you trusted God, right? Amen, even though you may not have had much, you trusted God he provided. Paul said this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned The secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul said he learned that. He didn't know it all of his life, but he learned how to trust God. He says, I've "I've learned that in whatever state I'm in, I learn how to be content. I learn how to rest in Jesus when I have much and I learn how to rest in Jesus when I have little. I don't pig out, I don't wig out, I don't get all stressed out. God, wherever I am right now, you know where I am, I'm trusting you to see me through this situation. We gotta learn that. When you learn that, man, that'll give you peace because you're not, you're not up, down, level to the ground. One day up, one day down. You're resting in Jesus. You're settled, steadfast, unmovable. Last thing, ask for God's peace. Ask for it. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we're gonna close out on this one. If we want God's peace, We need to ask for it. Look at this. It says what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about. Read it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about some things. Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Seven. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard. What will his peace do? What will God's peace do? How many of y'all need your heart guarded and your mind guarded? Because how many of y'all have had your heart hurt before by people who love you, or who you love, who maybe who you thought loved you? So you need God's peace to guard. Because here's what happen. If you've ever been hurt before by people, what will happen is you go into this insulation mode to where... You, you're not going to get too close to anybody anymore because the last person you got close to her, it may, it may be even the family, a child, a uh, husband, wife, whatever. So you decided to protect my heart, I'm not going to let myself get too close to anybody else. But yet God is saying, I need to use you to reach people. In order to really reach people, you got to get close to people. Well, no, I'm uh you know, but Pastor, I hear you, but I just it don't feel good. Let me tell you something. When you learn to love with the love of God, I promise you there are going to be people who disappoint you. But when you when you set your mind uh, uh, on the things of God and realize that God wants to use you, even when people disappoint you, you you learn how to, 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 to go through it. Because it, this text says you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And what will his peace do? His peace will do what? It'll guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When the peace of God is guarding your heart and your mind, people won't run you crazy. You won't be worried because the peace of God is guarding your mind. It won't let you worry. It won't let your heart be so uh, hurt and distraught that you can't continue to to be a vessel that he utilizes to reach people. God's peace. And man, I'm telling you, when you walk in God's peace, there is nothing like it. You're not worrying about money. You're not worrying about people. You're not worried about coworkers, church members. His peace is covering your heart and your mind. So let him do that. Okay. So those five things, re- repeat them real quick. Number one, we say what? Okay, these are five keys to perfect peace. Obey God's principle. We got to do that. Number two, we got to do what? Accept God's part. Focus on God's presence. Trust God's purpose. And ask for God's peace. And I promise you, he'll give it to you, okay? See, when you do that, guys, you'll immediately notice change in your demeanor. You'll immediately immediately notice, uh, you know, people will look at your face and say, you know what? Man, you look like you're at peace. You don't like your word about anything. It's because you're not, because you've allowed the peace of God to settle on your life, okay? Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.